Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hey, thanks for joining me again this week on the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast. My name is Dr. Jason Roundtree, and I'll be your host again today. And today I'm bringing you some information from a study about CRPS, or Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, formerly titled RSD, or Reflex Sympathetic Dystrophy. Now, the whole goal of me doing this podcast, the reason that we want to produce this every week, is to try and bring providers more information that is research-based without you having to take the time to go find the studies, read through it yourself, try to understand it, and then try and apply it in practice. So hopefully you can use the information that we bring you here within your practice to help your patients with laser therapy or without. And if you have any extra interest in what we talk about here for these particular syndromes or for how to really implement this with laser therapy in your practice, please visit the website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can find a lot more resources there. You can get in touch with us. You can let us know even what type of podcast you'd like us to do next. If you have a particular subject you'd like us to speak on or do some research on and then bring that to you, please let us know. I like to hear from other providers, and this is one that has actually been requested a couple of times, so I'm pretty excited to bring you more information on this disorder today. If you're anything like me, you didn't learn a whole lot about this one in school. It was just kind of mentioned, blown over, and then pretty much moved on with other pain disorders. And I think a big reason behind that is that there's not a really well-established protocol in place to address this really kind of unusual condition. So I'm going to be referring back to a study titled Effects of Low-Level Laser Therapy and interferential current therapy in the treatment of complex regional pain syndrome. This was published in September of 2013 in the Turkish Journal of Physical Medicine and Rehab. And it's a very interesting take on not only using laser for CRPS patients, but also some of the background behind why many providers really struggle with this one. One of the things they say right off the top is that even with two conferences of the International Association for the Study of Pain dedicated to CRPS, there's still not a unique therapeutic protocol. This is a very difficult one not only to treat, but then also to diagnose too, because they say it is very frequent among pain syndromes at about 9% of the population. But if you look this up online, you'll see that it's classified as a rare disorder. And to quote the study, they say, this condition often remains undiagnosed and disguised by the clinical picture of numerous pathological conditions. Meaning that it's hard to spot, it's hard to diagnose accurately, and really the incidence is all over the place. But up to 9% of the population, that's a very large number. And I will go ahead and agree with these researchers that it is undiagnosed, underdiagnosed, undertreated, and difficult for a lot of practitioners to really address well. So let's go back for just a moment and say, okay, what is CRPS? How will you know it if you see it in practice? Again, to quote the study, they say, CRPS type 1 
is indicated by pathological sensory motor, pseudomotor, vasomotor, and or trophic changes, most commonly localized to the distal part of the extremities, characterized by continuous regional pain, which is disproportionate according to the duration and intensity, depending on the initial type of damage. It has been observed that the progression of the disease induces spontaneous spread of symptoms along the affected extremity. COPS type 1 is manifested in cases where pain is not limited to a dermatome or peripheral nerve distribution, while CRPS type 2 refers to cases where a nerve lesion is present. All right, so let's uh, simplify that just a little bit for us common lay folk that are working uh, with patients day to day and not just living in research. So you're going to see a patient that has an extreme amount of pain compared to what happened to stimulate it. For example, a moderate sprain strain of the ankle can set this off. And so if we're looking at moderate sprain strain of the ankle, you're looking to see that resolve typically in what, you know, six to eight weeks for the most part, uh, with or without care, you know, and you, you expect to see the pain go down relatively quickly, the swelling, discoloration, and then most people can get back to pretty typical activities. Well, with somebody with CRPS, this moderate ankle sprain can set off this CRPS type one, and they have ongoing pain past when we'd expect it that is way, way higher in intensity than what we'd really expect. And it's not contained to a dermatome. So it, it doesn't really tie in to a, a spinal nerve. It doesn't tie in to a particular cutaneous nerve. So right off the bat, that means that a lot of these patients are written off by healthcare providers as being dramatic or having somatic symptom disorder or somatoform disorder, meaning that it's all really basically in their head, a panic disorder. And that's really unfortunate because this is a real condition that's extremely painful. And it just doesn't look like a legit medical condition because it's way more pain than we would really expect. So you, you start to think, okay, this patient's just trying to do this for some kind of gain. And then it's not contained to a dermatome. So then you're going, oh, this is just, this is just crazy. This, this patient's out of their minds um, or, or they're doing it for attention, especially because you see this more commonly in women that are around the age of 40. And so I think for a lot of healthcare providers, it's really easy to just go, ah, oh, they're just, yeah, just blowing it out of proportion. They want, you know, somebody else's attention or they're drug seeking even, something like that. But no, in, in a real case of CRPS, this is exactly what it looks like. So this ongoing continuing pain that's disproportionate to what started it. Sometimes even a mild sprain strain, uh, very oftentimes a surgery will start this. Or um, I had one patient who had CRPS and hers got kicked off, not from the surgery, but from excessive icing after the surgery. That's what really did it for her. So not only the continuing pain, but you also have one of the following symptoms as well, a report of uh, hyperesthesia, a, a vasomotor problem where there's uh, skin temperature asymmetry or even color changes, also pseudomotor or edema problems where you have some uh, edema or sweating changes in that area, and then also decreased range of motion or motor dysfunction like weakness, um, as well as even changes in the hair, nail and, uh, hair skin and nails. So one of those, uh, along with continuing pain, as well as at least one of the following signs, which is uh, evidence of hyperalgesia to pinprick, 
or even allodynia, which is so more pain with light touch, very light touch, uh, or deep pressure, and sometimes joint movement. Also, temperature asymmetry, which is pretty obviously visible. That's an objective finding. And then the uh, objective findings of edema, which is in many cases also visible. And then you can actually have uh, objective findings in the motor realm as well with that decreased range of motion and then trophic changes in the hair, nail, and skin. Uh, the last one, the last kind of qualifier here is that no other diagnosis better explains these signs and symptoms. And I'm going to tell you right away too, you don't get the hair, skin, nail changes until this has gone on for a long time. The, the changes in swelling and temperature and skin color many times has to be going on for a while before a patient develops that. Now, whether you're a chiropractor or a PT or a pain doc, you can see these cases present to your office because the primary complaint is pain and many times their family care doc or their surgeon is kind of at their wits end going, I, I don't know what's going on, just we, I got to refer this patient out to somebody else. Uh, I, think, I think a lot of PTs see that one frequently. So you need to know how to spot this. Now, there's no testing that you can really do for it. We, we pretty much just have to rule everything else out. And I'm not saying that every single painful case that comes in uh, is not a somatoform disorder and it's CRPS. But keep in mind that just because it doesn't look like a typical case does not mean that nothing is going on, that it's 100% in the patient's head. Uh, be very, very careful bringing that up. I've had several patients with legitimate painful conditions and they are trying to get better and they are accused of it being all in their head or they are told that it's just they need to go to counseling to, to you know, get their pain um, mentality under control uh, or they're just essentially escorted out of the office and told not to come back because they're drug seeking. And that is extremely uh, disheartening for the patient and uh, obviously they're not going to go back to that provider. Do your work, do your homework. You do want to make sure you're not enabling someone's disorder, but in a real case of CRPS, um, there are these certain signs you can look for. I will recommend a good thorough workup uh, to include blood work because you do want to make sure that you're not just settling on a CRPS diagnosis and you actually have some kind of autoimmune condition starting up uh, or lupus or even rheumatoid arthritis can kind of look like this sometimes. One of the real hallmarks for the extreme amounts of pain is this really hypersensitivity. Many, many CRPS patients will describe this as sensitivity even to air movement, cold air, um, air movement, the, the pressure of even clothing against the skin can be just infuriatingly painful. So look for that one as well. Now, the cause here is still very much debated, and what we think at this point is it's, it's a result of neurogenic inflammation for this type 1 CRPS. Now, type 2 CRPS, you, you actually have a nerve lesion. You can test for that. You can see that, um, and, and that usually goes along with the actual traumatic event. But CRPS type 1 is the more challenging one, and it's the one that I've seen more of in my clinic. As CRPS type 1, again, really neurogenic inflammation is looked at as the main mechanism here, meaning that we have nerve inflammation that leads to this hypersensitivity. And we've probably all seen lesser versions of this with patients with a herniated disc or nerve root irritation that produces then sciatic pain going down the leg, right? This is, this is kind of like a form of that when we're talking about nerve irritation, not the direct pressure on the nerve, but just inflammation creating uh, that kind of radiating nerve pain. This is just a whole nother step up. And again, 
not contained to a particular dermatome. In many cases, this will be small areas of the legs, of the arms, um, not in most cases an entire extremity, but particular localized areas. And many patients can actually draw a border around these spots. And they can say, right here, right here, it just kills me if it gets touched or if air moves over it right next to it, you know, an inch away, really not any kind of sensitivity at all. So what typically happens with these patients when they do get a diagnosis finally is they're sent out to physical therapy and in many cases they're given medications like Lyrica and Gabapentin to reduce nerve pain and that can be helpful. Uh, physical therapy and the right modalities can be helpful as well and these authors say that interferential current has been used for quite a while with some pretty good effects. So that's why they picked interferential current to compare with laser therapy. They say that laser therapy has a specific therapeutic effect, such as analgesia, anadematous, and anti-inflammatory effects, and improvement of regenerative abilities. Laser therapy has a significant influence on the tone of the sympathetic nervous system with the aim of its normalization, which justifies its application in the treatment of CRPS type 1. They go on to say, though, that in many cases, the application of a multidisciplinary approach, including physical therapy, does not provide the expected results because a high percentage of patients still have dysfunction of the affected extremity after therapy. And as a matter of fact, we see even recurring episodes of CRPS pain. That's incredibly common. And you want to prepare your patients, even if you're working with them and helping them, that they are going to be uh, you know, more vulnerable to future episodes of this it, with any kind of trauma or surgery or other insult to the nervous system. So the researchers took half of their participants and they put them in an interferential current group and then they put the others in a laser therapy group. Each group got their treatments every other day, five days a week for two weeks, and then they actually switched groups and then they did the opposite therapy every other day, uh, five days a week for two weeks for a total of 10 treatments uh, in each one. And what they found was that the application of laser therapy had a particularly beneficial effect in reducing pain intensity and edema compared to the interferential current therapy groups. No negative effects of the applied therapy were recorded, and the difference was actually quite impressive. What they did with laser is they used an 810 nanometer wavelength light, pulsed at 70 hertz, 640 hertz, and 5000 hertz, they did this at a very, very low power, 70 milliwatts, along eight different points on the affected joint line and any painful points in the affected area, 1.5 joules per centimeter squared. So very low power, uh, holding on several different points with this 810 nanometer near-infrared wavelength and pulsing the light. And there's a lot of studies that don't really use pulsed light. This is very interesting that they use pulsed light at these different frequencies, and it does not say in here how they chose which one of these frequencies to use, but what they did did seem to work quite well. Now, as far as why laser therapy worked, well, we're still really unclear on some of the mechanisms of specifics for nerve renormalization. They say despite that laser therapy has been used in the clinical practice for decades, the mechanism of action is not completely clear. They say there's something with the modulation of pain perception with the control gate theory for increased production of endogenous opioids. They say that uh, it can block the entrance of sodium ions into the cell, which is a stabilizing factor for cell membrane resting potential. 
And also, then we have some level of a little bit larger scale anti-edematous and anti-inflammatory effects around that area. They say by increasing local microcirculation, laser radiation reduces edema, increases tissue oxygenation, and facilitates elimination of allergenic substances. And that description there really does line up well with what we've talked about in this podcast in the past. So I think the takeaways here specifically are to really take that in-depth look at your patients, even if it seems like what they are talking about may not line up with a typical pain syndrome or a typical physical injury before you dump them in that somatoform category and usher them off to some other type of practitioner. Really look into the fact that CRPS is underdiagnosed and underrepresented in the literature even. If you have laser therapy in your clinic, you have one of the best tools to help patients with this. I have seen a lot of CRPS patients. I have seen all of them improve. It is so life-changing for these patients. In many cases, they are severe cases that cannot even function on a day-to-day basis without a lot of assistance, a lot of medications, and really have very little hope especially when maybe they do get over an episode and then it just flares right back up as soon as something happens. If you have laser, you can help these patients a lot. If you want to know more about using your laser in practice for these patients, or you want to hear more about CRPS in particular, please shoot me an email, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org, and we will keep bringing you more research, more evidence of laser therapy, and more practice guidance right here on the podcast every week. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.